What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Previously on the Simply Human podcast. Okay, tell me if I if I get them right. Like, give me like a ding ding or something. Okay, or you uh, could just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, knees. Mm, no. I have to say pass on that one. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I've been waiting to do that. Yeah. It's episode 54 of the Simply Human podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, we interview Dean Laurie, writer and uh, just an all-around funny guy. He was a, a writer on... Uh, Arrested Development. He helped Vinny Torderich write his book. Uh, and so, really interesting conversation with Dean. Then it's another edition of the Humans Being Human segment with a little bit of a different path we're taking on this one. We are just basically having a, another conversation with someone. Uh, it's just a little bit shorter. Uh, an old friend of my family, Shaky Fitzpatrick. Uh, he gets... Uh, he gets crap for that name a lot, but uh, that's his name, so leave him alone. And we're up with our Simply Human tip uh, the week. How are you, Rick? I'm good. How are you? Had a Uncle Rico moment this weekend, Rick. Big surprise. If anyone is not following, <laughs> uh, periodically Mark will talk about like when he uh, – You mean every when week? He play, when he played high school football, he's like, oh, we could have won state. Or like talks – and anytime Mark brings up his past – and I – I should clarify, I am impressed by Mark's uh, well, past athletic accomplishments. I wouldn't call them Triathlons that. and marathons that he played college football. But I, uh, feeling bad about myself, <laughs> will make fun of him and try to make him feel bad too. And I will call him Uncle Rico, who of course is the character from Napoleon Dynamite, who says, uh, who, is a, who takes the video of himself throwing the football, <laughs> saying, oh, we, we should have won state, living in his past glory. And then says, and this is my line that I like to use. How much you want to bet I could throw a football over them mountains? <laughs> <laughs> and I Which love... is what I will periodically post on Mark's Facebook anytime he makes any kind of relation to. Well, and if I was actually like good, like let's say that I was like I played in the Big Twelve and I was like, you know, had a you know it was like a draft pick or something. Yeah, like a, yeah. Then I would I would be offended by the Uncle Rico, but since I actually 
am Uncle Rico, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> so my Uncle Rico moment was the college uh, that I work for, and I also help out with the strength and conditioning stuff, which mainly football. Uh, and every now and then I get to be the get back coach on the sideline. Which, if you're not aware of who that is, on an American football field, because we have a lot of international we do. Yes. on an American football field, on each sideline, uh, there you can't encroach up on the field, basically. Like players have to stay back, but players are always and coaches are always getting too close onto the field because it's just how it happens. And so there's always one designated guy whose job is to make sure everyone stays behind the line right. so that you don't get a penalty. And that's what you mean by the get back coach. As a I player, think that was first coined by John Madden. <laughs> yeah, as a player, you hate the get back coach. So, because he's annoying. And. Because all you want to imagine, like you're standing on the field, if you're way behind the play, you want to encroach up actually right. on the field as close as you can to get a perspective of you can see what's going on. Well, if you're back behind the line, it's hard to see. And especially guys that are, let's say, there's a tight end or two that are waiting to hear like some some name of a of a, right, a play of a, yeah. call that they're supposed to, you know, they, they've got to be ready to run in at a moment's notice. And like you got the quarterback me. is always on the field, but like, you know, running the backs, receiver tight ends, yeah. uh, receivers, they rotate in and out. So they're trying to, you know, from a tactical advantage. And, yeah. then, and then they're trying to hear what the, you know, the name of the play. And then I'm here. Uh, can you say, say, take a step back, please? Sh- shut up. So anyway, I got to be the get back coach. We actually played a game. <laughs> This, the school I play for, we're trying to build an on-campus stadium. We currently play at a high school stadium in town, which is kind of Bush League, but it's it's what we've got. It's a big high... We yeah. should caveat this. Uh, it's West Texas, so it's a big high school stadium. Right. And but now, it's a high school stadium nonetheless, but it's it's larger than you would think. Like mo- Some people like maybe in like other states, like high school stadium, it's like right. you know, 50... 20,000 people. People can yeah. sit on the bleachers. Yeah, it's, it'll seat 20,000. Yeah, so they're... We played a game in the in the Dallas Fort Worth area at the high school stadium that I, Uncle Rico, played at, which is another humongous like twenty yeah, twenty five thousand seat stadium. Yeah, and we, so I hadn't been back on that field in sixteen years. So not only are you we got out there, did you start crying? Uh, almost. So we get out, and I'm the get back coach on my field. With my with the college team that I played for, I was number as we you know we mentioned on episode fifty two. I was number fifty two in high school and college. We Rick, we scored fifty two points. Well, it was inc- it was in crazy. Is that yeah, incredible and crazy? In crazy combined. In crazy. It was it was a very special. Moment. I was trying to tell Jen about it, and she was like, "Are you crying?" She had the exact same reaction. Yeah. And I had like, mm, I was like, "It really is cool." Shut up. It's pretty wild, man. So that was my Uncle Rico moment. Okay. Um, Excellent. It is now time for the shows ranked higher than the Simply Human podcast. Do you have one? I have one. I no, I have one. I took a picture. By of the it. way, uh, let me say this. They're easy to find on there. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're clicking outside like the top 50, odds are it's one of those like we did four episodes and it hasn't updated since 2008. Right. So, um, coming in at number 75, Stephen Michelle with the Eating Well podcast. Last show, Volumetrics, March 12th. 2012. All right, here we go. That long ago. That's yeah. uh, two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah, better than 2006, which is some of the other ones. So I feel like we need to stop doing this bit because uh, <laughs> it makes us sound bitter, but really it's just highlighting that like there's no rhyme or reason. Right. They're just picking names out of a hat. And speaking of iTunes and the rankings, we have and gotten picking names out of a hat. Ah, very good. Oh, man, we have gotten several uh, iTunes reviews, and actually, we actually printed out and cut into you know the like the names of the reviews. And Rick, read the winner of the first ever Simply Human podcast t-shirt giveaway-a-thon. 
First, like, firstly, I'd like to thank everyone who did this. We got a ton of reviews, a ton, like uh, 20 entrants, something nuts like that. So thank you to everyone who took their time to give us, and I think everybody gave us five stars. So thank you to everyone who took uh, 10 seconds out of their day and gave us some stars and wrote a review. The winner of our drawing Drum is roll, please. username PLBot. Uh, he left a review, he or she, we're not sure on the gender, right. on October 28th that read, while shopping for boots recently. I don't know if that's I, kind of a random. I, thing have, I don't think I've read this one yet. While shopping for boots recently, I said those words to which my friends said, "Oh, okay." The title is "I Need a Wide Shaft." <laughs> <laughs> While shopping for boots recently, I said those words, "quote I need a wide shaft," to which my friends said, in her nearly suffocating laughter, "That's what she said." <laughs> oh yeah, Mark and Rick are hilarious too. Thank you, PL Bot. I'm gonna infer into that. That's a, we have a female, but yes. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Uh, we don't actually have female. a way to contact you, uh, user PL bot. So email me, simplyhumanrick at gmail.com, or email Mark at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com, and we will get connected with you and figure out how to get your T-shirt with you. I will uh, I will drive past your house with a T-shirt gun <laughs> and shoot it through your front window, and uh, then we'll all be good. Yeah. So, so thank you. Thank so, you to everyone. Somebody recently uh, tried to email us like a funny story and, and she did the wrong address. Oh, but, but but then yes. but then she never got like a, a bad address. So it, it went somewhere and okay, it was this, like really inappropriate for, you know, if, unless you know the context. And, yeah. Whoever the person is, I saw it on our Facebook page and I was busy and I was like, okay, I got to go back later and respond to that. Well, for some reason, I can't see it anymore, the thing on the Facebook page. So I was going to respond and be like, haha, that's hilarious. Uh, you should come on the show. But I didn't want you to think that I ignored you. But yeah, she sent some really funny story to what she thought was my email address, simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. But she, there must have been like a slight error in the in the address. So she sent it to someone that has an email address similar to that, like simplyhuman. Bob. <laughs> oh, I was going to go with a different name that rhymes with mine, but no, it's not yeah. drudge up the past. Yeah, but, I don't have my uh, bleeping button ready. But uh, apparently they got the story, so that's very, very that's, – that's a good simply human – or a good humans being human story in and yep. of itself. Yes, it is. Um, all right, so PLBot, email us, and we will get you the shirt. Um, congratulations. And announcing the second ever Simply Human Podcast t-shirt giveaway-a-thon for the month of November. So anybody, We're going to do this once a month? or Yes. So everybody okay. that has a, uh, a review, la- uh, I guess, labeled or <laughs> labeled, uh, dated in November – uh, gets is entered into the November giveaway-a-thon, and we'd love to... Uh, and, and one of the caveats is you get this free shirt, but you have to take a picture of yourself and put it on our Facebook page or something. So, And if you have a Twitter, yes, maybe sound very old. If you have a Twitter... If you have the Twitter... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a sickness. If you've been diagnosed <laughs> with Twitter, please uh, put it on that too, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, all right, I think... Um, Simply Human Reset is still going on. Simplyhumanlifestyle.com slash shop. Um, we're, uh, we're, selling, we're selling those. That is a basically a 21-day uh, sort of getting you on a path to a more sustainable path. It's not a yo-yo. It's to get you away from yo-yo dieting and the whole calories in, calories out uh, from a nutrition standpoint. And we're also uh, resetting your movement patterns, your sleep habits, and how you manage stress, all that kind of stuff. So... Um, really cool conversation today. Let's go ahead and get to uh, Dean Laurie. Uh, Dean, yeah, this is kind of like this is real random how it happened. We were were we doing an interview like we were going to be on Vinny's show or he was going to be on ours. I can't remember which way it happened, but at some I think it was us doing the interview for his show. Right, right. 
Dean and Dean, we said something and gave him an idea, and he's clearly joking. But he called Dean in the middle of the show, and we we're like, "Oh, tell Dean we want him to be on our show too, please." And uh, so, and I was like, "Yeah, he's no way he's going to do that." But yeah, he gave us a half an hour of his time. A super busy guy, so yeah. that was really awesome. Yeah, and it's basically you know we, we don't really talk to Dean about you know how much he can bench or like what he eats in a day. It's just a kind of like a really interesting like Hollywood writer conversation but listen very closely i would log, I would log this under uh Enjoy. enjoying life because he's really funny and some of the stuff he's done is really really funny but. yeah and and just and and can, listen for this there's a really kind of a cool theme that he talks about at one point but we and we don't really point it out but listen for this it's it's when he's talking about um how uncertain sort of his career has been as a writer and how sometimes you know the theme we don't talk about is how sometimes is that uncertainty uh, can make you stronger and and is it just sort of lends itself and lends you to sort of being put into positions that here you are like you know you're working on arrested development he's had a really successful career it's like doing things that scare you kind of a thing and how you know just saying saying status quo isn't always the best uh, the best thing to do. So listen, listen for that. Um, but uh, yeah, we very astute observation, by the way. Well, thank you very much. We talked to Dean about a lot of stuff, including his background, NYU movies he's done, like my boyfriend's back. Um, uh, we'll get to that in just a second. I'll, I'll continue reading that list off. But before we do that, find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. There's a Facebook page, YouTube channel, Twitter, all that stuff is at simplyhuman52 for Twitter and Instagram. I need to do better about Instagram. We have uh, coupon codes still for the nutrients, multivitamin, and the skinny fat, uh, the MCT oil and coconut oil uh, fat drink that I put in my coffee. You can cook with it, all like good stuff. Um, you can email the show. We already mentioned simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. Simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. So without further ado. Rick. Simply yes. Human yes. Rick. Simply Human Rick. Don't send like, any inappropriate stories to like Simply Human Dave. That guy's probably sick of him. <laughs> Simply Human Uncle Rico at gmail.com. That's what we should do. <laughs> uh, so the conversation with Dean, we talk about Monty Python, uh, Breaking Bad, writing for Arrested Development, writing as a career. My wife and kids, not my wife and kids, the show My Wife and Kids, doing the best job you can do, Will Arnett, processing an idea, fitness confidential, creating, then selling, hiking, and nature. Here's Dean. Joining us today on the Simply Human podcast, talk about sort of stumbling into something. Uh, Rick and I were talking to Vinny Tortorich, and he called this, this person... And then as this person is talking to Vinny, we were like, hey, hey, hey Vinny, uh, ask Dean if he'll be on our show. And he was sort of like cornered into it. Dean Laurie on the show, an American writer whose projects include movies such as Major Pain and television shows like Arrested Development. Dean, thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks um, for inviting me. Was, so actually, I called Vinny. I didn't know he was on your show. Oh. And, you know, he answered the phone, and I could immediately tell it was his podcast voice. Right. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what are you doing? And uh, so I ended up being on your show. So you're right. It was just kind of uh, a stroke of luck. Yeah, we, we stumble into lots of stuff. So I guess let's just start off uh, what, like talking about your background. I, I believe if uh, if Wikipedia is to be believed, you you grew up in <laughs> it Georgia. Rarely is, but sure. yeah, you grew up in Transylvania and on the moon. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. That, that's the one time that uh, Wikipedia got it right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I actually grew up in uh, Georgia. I grew up in a, a little town called Conyers, Georgia, which at the time was pretty rural. I understand now it's uh, basically a suburb of Atlanta. But, um, yeah, it was a kind of a, a quiet, pleasant place to grow up. 
So how, how did you get into, I know you went to New York uh, after that to go to school. So what were you like, when you were like 16, were you like, I am destined to be hilarious? Well, you know, I was always a writer. Um, you know, I, I like to write screenplays and uh, I wrote little books and stuff like that. And so I really wanted to get into the movie industry, and I wasn't 100% sure how to do that because, you know, I was living in Georgia, and it just didn't, it seemed very far away. Um, and I ended up getting accepted to uh, New York University, and so, you know, I went there and loved it. I mean, I loved New York uh, and just started writing. And while I was in um, college, I wrote a screenplay called, at the time, uh, it was called Johnny Zombie, and it was a comedy just about a kid who... It was desperate to date this girl, Missy, his entire life, and he never asked her out. And then finally, in his senior year, he gets up the nerve to ask her out to the prom. Uh, and she says yes, and then he gets shot and killed in a convenience store robbery. So, <laughs> that is uh, hilarious. <laughs> he, he really wants to go to the prom, so he comes back from the dead as a zombie to take her to the prom, except now he's got zombie problems. You know, he's beginning to rot. He desires to eat the flesh of the living. You know, so that, that was basically the premise. And in, in a crazy sort of series of... of uh, well, accidents really and connections. Um, it ended up getting bought by Disney, and it got made into a movie called My Boyfriend's Back, which not a lot of people saw. But um, that was really the beginning of my career. Uh, okay, so you you mentioned you always wanted to be you know get into the movie industry. When you were growing up, what movies influenced you the most? Well, Raiders of the Lost Ark was a big one. Okay. Star Wars was big. Jaws. You know, all of those movies were were huge for me. You know, I, I really loved them. In terms of comedies, I was a giant Monty Python fan. Okay, good. Um, and, you know, and this is when, like, this was during a period of time that uh, it was hard to get a lot of this stuff. I mean, the internet wasn't even really a thing. Al Gore hadn't um, invented it yet? Is that what you're saying? Had, yeah, Al Gore was still noodling around with other things. He was in the laboratory <laughs> uh, working on his computer, yeah. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, it, it, I recall... The first time I saw Monty Python's Quest for the Holy Grail, you could only, at least where I was, you could only get it on the Laserdisc. Remember those? Oh, yeah. And, and, wow. You know, I didn't have a Laserdisc player, so but you could rent one. So I remember I went and I rented <laughs> one for a night and then got the Laserdisc of Monty Python's Quest for the Holy Grail and watched it, and it, it changed my life. I mean, I just was looking at it going, I've never seen anything like that kind of comedy. You could have called me Dennis. Well, I didn't know you called Dennis. Well, you didn't bother to ask now, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You probably have it memorized like I do. Yeah, Pretty you're much. turning into tuning into the Mark Rogers quotes uh, <laughs> Monty Python podcast. <laughs> oh, of course, it's well, a good idea. I, you know, I'm a huge. Actually, you know what's funny? My son, my older son, I have a 17 year old. A few years ago, I went into his room and he was watching Netflix, and I said, uh, "What are you watching?" And he goes, um, "It's a thing called Monty Python's Flying Circus. Have you heard of them?" Oh. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, I've heard of them. <laughs> you know, that, you didn't just you didn't just discover. Yeah, <laughs> five there. billion views. Yeah, yeah, you didn't yeah. you didn't figure that one out. I know uh, one of the Monty Pythons that is less well known is the Meaning of Life. And, I love Meaning of and Life, and that I mean, I always say it's only waffer thin. And yeah, well, that's that's immediately where my head goes as soon as you said meaning of life. It's a the fat guy. thing. Yeah, <laughs> another bucket for Monsieur, and perhaps a hose. Yes, uh, Rick, have you seen that uh, meaning of life? That's the one uh, where uh, John Cleese is the headmaster who teaches sex. 
Oh my gosh. And okay, like, yeah, so that he, makes sense because growing up, my my parents uh, were very strict, and they did not allow me to watch that Monty Python. The only one I could watch was the Holy Grail, yeah. and so I was like, "Okay, yeah. well, I guess I'll watch Holy Grail again." Because I'm not real smart, so it's right. uh, it's kind of lost on me a little bit. It's because yeah, because God was was in that. It was in Holy Grail. That's why you could watch it. Um, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah no, right. that, yeah, that Rick, he, well, he was you animated. Got, yeah. You got <laughs> God by way of Terry Gilliam. When you, when you went from from Georgia to. Uh, to New York, was it like I'm imagining in my head like a Greyhound bus pulls up like in the middle of Manhattan and you just get out with like a garbage bag with like all your clothes and like you look <laughs> around hat. like it's the big city and you're like, well, I guess I'm here in the big city. Like not yeah, it was like to... it was like Steve Martin and the jerk uh, <laughs> leaving the house with all his crap. <laughs> and this lamp. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, it was like I, I was so excited to do it. Like I I, lo- I had visited New York. I visited my aunt who lived in New York. So. I love the city, and you know, and I was relatively young. I mean, I I graduated high school and was in college when I was seventeen, so it was a a big transition. And now I look at my son, who's also seventeen, and it's just it's staggering to me to think that that was the age that I was basically living alone in Manhattan. But um, but I loved it. I mean, I, I took to it immediately, and um, I just like you know the energy of it, and I like being at college where you know everybody was making stuff. I was in uh, Tish, I was in the film department, and so we were constantly running around making little movies and stuff, and it was it was a fun time. Now, how many of your friends grew up to be huge embarrassing failures out of that out of that group? <laughs> huge embarrassing failures. Uh, most most of them. I, I don't know about huge failures, but there were some successes. Um, I, I'll tell you one pretty good success was. Uh, uh, Vince Gilligan, who um, oh, wow. created Breaking Bad, Jeez. he was in the same year as I was. Oh my um, gosh! NYU at the Tisch Department, and he was in fact the guy who um, his job at NYU was. Uh, he worked in the basement, uh, running uh, checkout for uh, equipment checkout. So, like, if you wanted to go rent a lighting package, you had to go to Vince, kind <laughs> oh. of thing, and all of that. So he he did pretty good for himself. And yeah. Then, Another buddy of mine, a guy named David Emmerich, uh, was uh, 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 really into Steadicam at the time, and he used to run down the hallways of the dorm with a Steadicam <laughs> that he bought on credit. And now he's like a major DP, and like he just uh, uh, the movie uh, Ouija, 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 which just came out. He was the director of photography on. So oh, he's, yeah, yeah, he's like running through the showers with a Steadicam. He's like, it's for research. <laughs> like, That's right. Pull, pulling he, it his was the funniest back. thing. He used to run up and down the hallways with you know with his whole rig on, and he was just he was really really into it. It was funny how like. You know, we were all really young then, and you could, but you could kind of tell, like, you know, what people were into, and, and a lot of a lot of those folks ended up uh, doing that professionally later. I mean, it's it's interesting to see the seeds of what people get into, you know, when they're younger and how that how yeah that, that pans out. That guy's roommate is the guy on Monday Night Football that runs around like the the field with that steady cam on. Like he he didn't quite do as well for himself, but. <laughs> Now, right. Dean, what, what, what was the point in your career? Because I'm fascinated by this. I'm someone who I've enjoyed funny writing and funny, you know, and people have said that, that I'm funny before. I have no – there's no possible way I could make a living doing anything funny because I'm too scared uh, of uh-huh. the future. What's the point in your career where you looked at it and you're like, you know what? I can actually do this. This is something that I can do for a living, and it, it kind of takes – you know, you you know you've made it. What was that point for you? Well – I'm still looking for it. Uh, I, you know, it, it's just, it's mostly terror. Um, you know, it, it, it's really true. I, I, there were points when, when I felt pretty good about things, and then 
that feeling would always be dashed. You know, you'd have a little bit of a success and you'd think I could really make a go of this. And then you would do something that was just a failure. And then you sort of really honestly feel like I'll never work again. But I, you know, I, I know that when, um, my boyfriend's back, the movie, my boyfriend's back, which was called Johnny zombie when I wrote it. Um, when that went into production, I was pretty young. I was probably 23 ish. And so I started thinking, wow, I have a movie going into like maybe, you know, maybe this will be something. And at the same time, I was working for, um, off of that script, it was produced by this guy named Sean Cunningham, who had directed and produced, among many movies, Friday the 13th. And so he was making Friday the 13th Part 9 at the time. And so he basically told me, I need you to write Part 9 or rewrite it. So Did I you have to watch that. all eight of the first ones or like yeah, <laughs> the plot line? I did. <laughs> I did. And I hadn't seen them all at that point. But, you know, so I, I ended up writing Friday the 13th Part 9, Jason Goes to Hell. And so those, those two movies, that movie and My Boyfriend's Back, were coming out um, kind of within the same year. And so I really felt like, I haven't made, you know, I'm this young, I've got two movies coming out that I wrote, this is really exciting, and then they both came out and just flopped gigantically, (laughs) and so, like, it really was at that point, I was like, oh my god, I I had, you know, I had two at-bats and I blew it, and, you know, so I don't, (laughs) and so that just, I got panicky, you know, and and my my whole career has been that way, and I, I think that's true of most people, you know, you have successes and you feel great, and then you have a failure, and then you just think you'll never work again. Now, tell me, how do you? One of my favorite television shows of all time, and I'm not saying this to kiss your rear end. Mine I'm too, saying by the it way. It's the truth. Is Arrested Development? How did you get hooked on with the Arrested Development? Like, in what I, yeah. I was reading on your website, like season three, I think, is when you jumped in on it. Yeah, that's when I started. Well, um, I had been, I, I was uh, writing and producing a, a TV show called My Wife and Kids that yes. starred Damon Wayans. Yes. And, um, and one of the other writers who became a, a close friend of mine on that was this guy, Jim Vallely. And Jim was the writing partner of Mitch Hurwitz, who created Arrested Development. So I had met Mitch through Jim, and we liked each other. And Mitch had shown some interest in me working on Arrested, but I couldn't do it because I was under contract on My Wife and Kids. And then when that show got canceled, Mitch said, why don't you come work on Arrested Development? And, you know, he said, you'll write it, and I need somebody to run the set because, you know, there had to be somebody in charge of the actual shooting of the show. And so, you know, I said, great, I'd love to do it. But it was, it was very nerve-wracking because, you know, at that point, Arrested was, uh, it had won lots of Emmys. It was, a, you know, kind of a, a famous thing. And I felt like unprepared to, to you know, join in, but um, I did, and I loved it. I loved working with the cast, and uh, and it just, you know, it, we we all really got along. And then it uh, it got canceled, which was really a travesty. All of us, yes. because we it kind of felt like, geez, we're doing this is as good as we can do it. Like if this, <laughs> you know, if this isn't enough, we don't, you know, I I don't know what to do. And um, and then later. Uh, uh, Mitch called and said, uh, why don't we tinker with uh, a, a, a movie for Arrested Development? So Jim, Mitch, and I started kind of working on a movie. And then that turned into, at least part of it, turned into um, what became season four of Arrested on Netflix, which was yes, I an unusual that. season because we didn't have the whole cast together at any given time, unlike the other seasons where you know it was clearly an ensemble and we had all the actors and for all the episodes we didn't on that season. So it was a, a different kind of season. But um, 
that's uh, that's how I became involved in it. Wow. Now, for everyone who hasn't, if there's anybody listening to this show that hasn't watched it, watched Arrested Development, and I'm sure there are, because uh, from my understanding, when it was on. Uh, in the early 2000s, it kind of got screwed around sometimes by Fox with, uh, you know, it, it had problems drawing an audience because yeah. for whatever reason. So there may be people who aren't familiar with this. Go to Netflix, block off an entire weekend, shut and lock <laughs> your door and watch this whole and you will you might do it this way. Watch it. Binge watch it from beginning to end. Well, that's yeah, because it's just an awesome show. And what I think what I want to know is how different is it? You you just said you left. A, a, you know, a quote-unquote like conventional sitcom of my, uh, my yeah. wife and kids, and you went to work for Arrested Development. How different is it? The, it, the writing for Arrested Development has to be just so complicated. You're winding and weaving jokes in yeah. one show that are going to come unraveled the next season, like the buster losing his arm. You guys, <laughs> yeah. it, looking back from when that happened, you were building up to that subtly with these little teeny tiny subtle jokes yeah. Ten shows before it happened. How different yeah, well, was it, that? It was very um, – well, as you said, Wife and Kids was kind of a conventional sitcom, which, by the way, I loved working on. It, that was a multi-camera show. I enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. Jim had a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, those sort of more conventional shows are, are written kind of like – you know, you'll come up with a concept. You'll you, The idea will be, okay, Damon forgets his wife's anniversary, say. And then you sit there and kind of plot out what might happen as a result of that that might be funny. And that sort of becomes the show. But Arrested was not really written like that. We would start by just coming up with tons of ideas, just funny ideas that, you know, we'd have no sense of where they might fit in a story, just things that tickled us. So, like, you know, I recall we liked the concept of um, uh, We Britain. So, you know, there was, like, <laughs> you know, in America you have Little Italy, you have, you know, Little Armenia, whatever. So we like the notion of We Britain, which would be a town that's run on Greenwich Mean Time, and you drive on the opposite side of the road and all of that. So that seemed like it could be, you know, kind of funny. Um, and then, you know, we would just come up with lists of all of this stuff, and then we would start to look for connections. Like, you know, we, we in there we had the notion of Mitch wanted to do a um, – he wanted to do an arc where uh, Michael, who's Jason Bateman, um, is falls in love with a girl, and they go to get married. And what Michael and the audience doesn't realize over the course of several episodes is um, uh, uh, that she's mentally challenged. And so, and the idea was we would have had to have missed all of those clues. And so then we start trying to figure out, like, well, how, how, how could we conceivably do that? How yeah. how is that possible? We said, well, first of all... Well, that was Charlize Theron, right? Like, that's exactly yeah. it. And we said, what if she's beautiful? Because we always spot beautiful people. Like you, you always just think they're smarter than they really are. So we said, okay, what if it's Charlize Theron? So she's just gorgeous. So that helped. But then we were like, that may not be enough. <laughs> like, what if she's also British? Because British people sound, sound smart. smart, right? They do. And so we <laughs> said, okay, so she's British. So it's Charlize Theron. She's British. And so everything points to that she's a genius. But she's the opposite. And, so, and then we kind of were looking at the board going, oh, we had this Wee Britain idea. So what if she lives in Wee Britain? And so that's kind of how the whole series would get put together. It would just be, you know, we'd come up with as many funny things as we could think of and then start looking for connections and start looking for ways to weave them together. And then if we would come up with like a particularly funny idea for, say, later in the season, we would then back up and start trying to lay in clues and hints and stuff like that beforehand so it became 
it was a puzzle, you know, but it was uh, enormous fun to work on. And, and we spent a lot of time just, um, you know, uh, paying attention to things that people wouldn't even really notice unless they went back and rewatched it or even freeze frame things. Like, for instance, we're talking about We've Written. There's a, um, a thing that we created in We've Written called the Poppins. That's just a, uh, <laughs> there's basically a, a, a terrible Mary Poppins doll that one time a day would come on a string and cross the street and we went. And then as, if you look at the show, there's, there's a camera sort of panning past it. It pans past uh, a plaque on the wall that has the legend of the Poppins. And it's like you couldn't possibly read it in the show, but if you were to freeze frame it, you could read the legend of the Poppins. And we spent a long time just writing that plaque. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it was, um, it, was, it was great fun to work on. Now, it, you already mentioned it was very critically acclaimed, and it has a extre- that show has an extremely, extremely loyal, uh, like cult-like fan following. But yeah. it didn't get the viewership that it should have gotten. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm not a Hollywood expert, but uh, it, it ended up not staying on the air, and yeah. people were pretty pissed about that. Well, as a writer, as someone, ratings, yeah. as as a writer, someone who created that, are you obviously everyone wants to to you know, get on the show that, you know, has, you know, the Cosby show that has 50 million viewers or whatever that, you know, the thing that everybody's watching. But yeah. is that, do you look at that as a disappointment or do you look at that, you know, a disappointment because it wasn't as big as it should have been? Or do you look at that and go, you know what, uh, people absolutely swore by this show and they loved it and they're, you know, they're cult followers and, you know, we did it the best we could. How do you look at that? Well, it's more the latter. I mean, my attitude is, you know, you can only do the best job that you can do. And so that's what we did. I mean, we, you know, put our all into working on uh, uh, the show. And and it was disappointing that there weren't more viewers. Like, we obviously wished that there were more viewers, at least enough to keep it on the air. But, um, but it got canceled. And it wasn't until really DVD and also particularly Netflix. Yeah, that's how I watched uh, so, it. I watched the whole yeah, thing on Netflix. That's, that's, yeah. how, that's how most people started watching it was, was, you know, they found it much later, after it had been long, uh, you know, off the air. And then when people started binge-watching it, it really was one of the few shows that lent itself to binge-watching because there were so many jokes that were referenced in earlier episodes or later episodes that when you watched them all close together, it was easier to see how everything interrelated. And so, um, so it became really successful after it had been canceled. It was just an odd thing, and that's what really led to season four. <laughs> So. Now I uh, I have several Hollywood connections, and so I uh, <laughs> yeah, not really. But like you, you know, you hear of like you know certain actors or actresses like you're not being like what they appear. And I would imagine that Will Arnett is not like that. That he is what he appears. I mean, without you know, just he's like he's the funniest guy I've ever met. <laughs> yes, he's, he is so funny. I, I you know I did another show with Will called and, and Mitch Hurwitz and Jim Valley called Running Wild that only lasted about a season. But, was that the one with uh, um, Applegate? Christina uh, Applegate? No, no, that was a show called Up All Night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Running Wild was uh, it was a, a different show. He he played a like a billionaire that lived out in Long Island and um, and it uh, you know I got to spend a lot of time with him because I ran a set on that. So it was he and I and kind of on this estate in Long Island for a long time. And he is just the funniest guy. I mean, he is, uh, what you see is what you get with him. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's what I, that's the what way I that he's funny figured. on screen is the way he's funny in person. Yeah. 
I know, like he his role in Thirty Rock is one of my favorite sort of guest supporting actor roles of any sitcom I've ever watched. Uh, yeah, he's just well, he's and just he great. and David Cross did a. Now that you're mission, that they did like a, a sitcom for like a. I want to say it was like IFC or something like that, where David Cross uh, is right. trying to like run a business in England, and just the two of them yeah. are so hilarious all the oh, time. So and, and David Cross created that. He created and I think ran that show. Yeah, and I forget the the. It's got a complicated name. I forget it. We'll put it in the show notes. I'll I'll dig it's it up. But man, the Adventures of Todd Margaret. That's uh, Todd. Yeah, Todd. Uh, yeah, that's what it was. The something yeah. Adventures of Todd Margaret. It's such a really really funny show, and yeah. I envy you for having even met David Cross in person. <laughs> he's like my comedy hero, let alone working with him. So my hats he's, off he's, to you, Dean, for Arrested Development. Thank you. Well, for he's, thank you. He, David's brilliant. And the other thing I found out when you know we were working together was he grew up in Georgia too, and it's like yeah, they're not many people who grew up in Georgia that you know I've met out in Hollywood so um, so we had that little connection what are you working on now um, right now I'm doing a bunch of pilots uh, I have two pilots at FX um, one is uh, um, based on an Israeli series that's really funny a comedy um, and the other is based on a, a book that I wrote called romance for men um, that's I wrote it, but it's uh, it's it, it's written by Jack Iceflow Jackson, and uh, but uh, but I'm the actual writer of it. So I'm doing that, and that's going to be uh, well. It's in development, but hopefully it'll be an animated series on FX that I'm doing with Adam Reed, who created and runs Archer, mm-hmm. uh, the animated show on on FX. So now, when, I'm doing when you that. get it. A- when you get an idea, Dean, how do you? Uh, what's your process like? Uh, and I, that, that sounds like such like a guy at Hollywood cocktail party. Like, tell me about your process, man. But like, how do you? Fl- <laughs> yeah. Like, how does that start? How does that start with you? Well, for me, it, it's um, I have a lot of ideas, and I try to see which ones stick over time. You know, I'll I'll have an idea that I think is kind of funny or I like or whatever, and um, and most of them just kind of fall away. Uh, but the ones that after two or three weeks or something like that have, have kind of stuck with me and I find I keep thinking about it, then I'll start pushing on it a little bit and I'll see, well, you know, maybe let me write a little something on it. Let me see if there's something there. And then I begin to try to figure out if I like it, what it is, you know, because um, uh, I write a lot of books. Uh, you know, as you know, I did uh, Fitness Confidential with Vinnie Tortorich. That, that's how we met. Um, but, I, you know, I write other books as well. So I'll start sort of thinking is this a good book or you know would this be better as a tv show or and if it's a tv show what is it is it a one hour is it a half hour uh is it a movie because i wrote many movies at the beginning of my career so you know i'll start to try to figure and that's actually often a hard question it's just you know what what is it like what's the best use of this idea and so i'll try to figure that out and then then i'll start just kind of working on it and i'll see if if it seems to lead anywhere and a lot of times like i follow the idea that you're better off just creating something and trying to sell it. Um, I don't always do that. I mean, sometimes I will go pitch an idea and, and see if I can sell it in advance of writing it. But most of the time, I prefer to just sit down and write something and say, here it is, and just see if anybody wants to do it. Um, and, and that's kind of you know, how, how I've done things most of my career. And then you know, other times you just get hired to work on something like Arrested Development, which I didn't create. You know, Maturowitz created it. Um, but you know, it was just a, a sort of a great thing to work on. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so like, you know, the, the, you did, uh, my boyfriend's back and, 
uh, Jason Goes to Hell, and then you did Major Pain, I think, in 95. Yeah, that was Damon Wayans. And so That's how, like, how, um, yeah, which is a great movie, by the way. Oh, thanks. I'm in it, briefly. Are you? I, I, you probably won't remember it, because it's a tiny, tiny little thing. But um, towards the beginning of the movie, uh, Payne uh, is trying to find a civilian job, and he goes to try to get a job as a police officer. <laughs> and uh, there's a scene where he has to go through kind of a scenario to see what he would be like. And, and he just, he like, shoots everyone? <laughs> I'm the guy he slaps. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, well, maybe I can uh, see if they maybe have that clip on YouTube, and I'll uh, I'll link to that. But uh, yeah, okay. you're gonna feel a little pressure. That's, yeah, uh, that's yeah. right. That was actually that movie was the most fun that I've ever had doing a movie because Damon and I got along great. Um, it was it just it was a blast doing it, and Damon and I uh, wrote it together. So oh, cool. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and so, well, I guess the, so. My my question is sort of like what like. Is it because you started getting into the TV stuff that you're doing more TV stuff, or do you want to maybe write another movie? Like, what's the? How does that work? Well, my preference uh, is to write television okay. um, because, as a, as a, you know, as a writer in movies, you're kind of very replaceable. Um, you know, you come on often, you do a draft or two, and then you get fired, and then they bring on the next guy. Huh. Um, and most movies go through many writers, you know, and you don't really have, even though a lot of them aren't credited, like there are a lot of movies that I, I worked on and did drafts of that I'm not credited on, like Happy Gilmore is one. Um, but that's common, you know, right. with, uh, with writers in movies. And so after a point, you kind of get the feeling like, geez, I have no control over any of this. I mean, I'm just doing my work, and I hand it in, and then you know, it becomes something different, then I may get credit or I may not. And it's, and, you know, you get paid and all that's great. But, um, but in television, the writers are actually in charge. Um, you know, you're, you're also the producers of the show. And so more satisfying, I think, uh, just creatively to know that basically what you write is what you're going to film. Anything from, anything from Happy Gilmore uh, that stuck that you wrote? Um, yeah, yeah, there were, there were a few things. It, Originally, it was um, uh, Adam Sandler and Tim Hurley who had written the, the first draft or two. And it was really funny. Um, but it was a little bit more about Happy and a group of his sort of hockey buddies, like tough guy buddies, who went on the PGA Tour. And so it was like Happy and his you know, friends kind of taking over the PGA Tour. And so when I, I made my pass, I got rid of pretty much all his friends. <laughs> And I just made him go alone on the PGA Tour because I thought it might be better if he was a little bit more of a fish out of water that, you know, he had to deal with, you know, these kind of whole white collar people. You eat um, pieces of for breakfast? No. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't write that. And in fact, I was rewritten by Judd Apatow, who came in. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Draft. So, and neither of us are credited on it. But, um, but it's, uh, uh, yeah, there was that. There were other things like, you know, I... I assume there can't be spoilers in a movie that was made a billion years ago, but, um, <laughs> you know, the death of Chubbs, I think, was something that I asked. Wait, he dies? Oh, crap! I was going to watch that tonight! <laughs> and, you know, it's actually funny. I did, um, uh, I, I did a, uh, a TV series uh, much later with um, Carl, and, uh, uh, who plays Chubbs. And, you it was know, also and I, I on uh, Arrested Development, by the way. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he was on Arrested Development as well. Um, Carl Weathers, and uh, by, by the way, in season four, they go to a restaurant called C.W. Swapigans, and it was uh, it was called we called it C.W. because we liked the notion that it was Carl Weathers' restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, the uh, yeah, and I so Carl and I were talking, and I had mentioned that you know I, I had done a rewrite of Happy Gilmore, 
And I said, in fact, I was the one that killed Chubbs. And he was like, you s***. <laughs> that's hilarious um, yeah well Dean, anyway, that, I, that was fun to work on i can't believe uh we're we're uh, coming up on time so i need to ask you the the final question which is something that i ask every guest we have on the simply human podcast and that is okay. what is something that you enjoy about life or something you do to make life more enjoyable um you know i love to uh i love to hike oddly enough um i like getting outside i like uh uh, I like nature. Um, I like hiking and running. And it, it's, in fact, it's Vinny Tortorich who got me into running because I was really out of shape a while back. And, and you know, and he said, you should get out and just start walking a little bit. And uh, I said, okay, I can do that. So I started walking through the neighborhood and I just loved it. And then, uh, you know, at, and I started losing some weight and getting, you know, in better shape. And Vinny looked at me and said, you know, maybe you could do a little bit of running. You could add a little running into that. I think you can do a better Vinny impersonation. Let, let, let's go. Let, let, like, let's you hear want it. to do better? <laughs> maybe you could do some running. Yeah. Throw some running in there. So, you know, so I did that. But that's now something that I really love to do. I love to go out and, uh, you know, just get outside and run and hike and that kind of stuff. Awesome. Well, uh, we are out of time. Dean, I really appreciate your time. I know you have... Uh, a, a hugely busy schedule, and you got exactly zero dollars for for becoming. Uh, the I check guess. is in the mail, Dean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Well, listen, I love talking to you guys. You, 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 you're great. So, anytime you want me back on, just let me know. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it, and we'll link to all your stuff in the uh, in the show notes. And uh, hopefully, we wish you just the the nothing but awesome and great success moving forward. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. You too. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. Thank you, Dean. Uh, like like we said, we will link to his website in the show notes. Just a cool guy to, to know. Hopefully- that is the most, to me, that's the most fascinating conversation we've ever had because <laughs> at various points in my life, I have thought that like, you know what, I, you know, I really enjoy writing. And uh, if, if I could do anything, you know, with my life, like risk-free, I guess, it would be writing something yeah. like, like he does, comedy writing. But... I'm too scared to do it, but it's just fascinating to hear from someone who like, you know, has scratched out a pretty, pretty awesome career doing stuff like that. It's just, it's fascinating for me to talk to him. So that was awesome. It's very interesting to me to to know that like, you you might get paid for writing on a movie, but you may not be credited because they like go through so many writers during movies. You just think, okay, this guy wrote the movie. Well, it's like that's not at all how it works. Like, yeah. there's so many different people, the, and it's kind of cool the, the insight to know that, like, you know, Happy Gilmore was supposed to be like a group of hockey players, and then how they got it down to just one, and then like it's so much, it's so much better, like how it ended up, obviously yeah, because they yeah. did their job correctly, yeah, wrote it well. So, anyway, but man, that was awesome. That but, was my that's my favorite conversation we've had so far. That was really cool, Dean. If you're listening, it's only Waffer thin. Okay, sorry. Um. You need to watch. By the way, that was the that, that the the conversation though almost came dangerously close to devolving into <laughs> quoting Mark movies. Going, hey, I know a quote from that movie too. <laughs> oh, no. how about this one? Dangerously oh, close? No, no, no. Like, we, the, it, like it Chris happened. Farley doing the, uh, <laughs> the Chris Farley show no, on Saturday Night Live. Stupid, <laughs> idiot, stupid, stupid. <laughs> oh. All right. Well. All right. So now it's time for our conversation with Shaky. He recorded this uh, a couple days ago. Um, this was fun. All right. Um, I know this is the humans being human segment, but uh, we just we didn't really have a, a lot of time to talk to uh, to an old friend of my family. Uh, like, like I said in, in the last uh, a few episodes ago, my, my dad worked with with Shaky, um, and that's his uh, 
his nickname, obviously. But uh, Shaky doesn't have a cell phone, and uh, I, we talked yesterday and uh, set up the call. I told him to be by his phone at this time, so uh, we'll we'll call his uh, his landline and, and see uh, if we can get Shaky uh, Fitzpatrick, who's a uh, been a longtime trainer, primarily uh, a boxers back in the back in the day. So uh, here we go. Gymnasium. Fitzpatrick speaking. Shaky. Hey, it's Mark Rogers. Who the hell is it? It's what I, do you want? I'm hey, Shaky. Hey, it's uh it's Mark Mark Rogers, Urban Son. Um Ah, uh, wee little Mark Rogers. That's right. I remember you when you were just a just a little old ankle biter from back in the day. The, used to used to pee all over yourself anytime I came near you. What's it been? 15, 20 years? Yeah, I uh uh we actually we talked. Uh, we talked yesterday. I'm the one that, that we talked yesterday and set this ah. call up. And uh, yesterday, what a bunch of malarkey. Well, I uh, I had this list of questions here that I wanted to talk to you uh, about. Uh, I, I got some questions for you. Once you take that piece of paper and throw it away. Uh, okay. I remember yesterday you told me that uh, you had an internet. You made an internet. Yeah, yeah. Um, did, were you able to figure out how to get to the the site to the superhuman? Ah, computers, get out of here with your computers. Okay. I don't have a computer. I know. I got a I got a typewriter and a, wow. a, a an abacus. <laughs> but I, I went to the library and I told grab one of them librarians and I put my fist in the face well, and I said, "Hey, shaky. You show me how to get to this Mac Rogers' internet. You show me right now." She punched it up on one of them. Computers in the library, and I read it over with a bunch of malarkey. Well, Just a bunch I, of garbage. It, it's helped a lot of people. Sleeping and moving. Get out of here with your crap. <laughs> well, it's helped a lot of people, Shaky, and and I actually. Uh... I've helped a lot of people. I've trained a lot of fighters. Right. I trained a lot of fighters, but I I train them back how they used to train the old champions back. Uh, in the Dempsey days, you know? Uh-huh. First, I'd take them up, and I'd, I'd strip all the clothes off, and I'd hose them down and throw the lousing powder all over them. Gracious. Making sure they're not getting my gymnasium all diseased. It's a prison? Then I'd, scr- <laughs> then I'd scrub them with, with coarse burlap, the coarsest you could get. You gotta go to the you gotta go to the docks to get this special kind of burlap, and I'd scrub them all over every inch of their body. Sounds terrible. Toughen up their skin. Then I'd take an old copper pipe, and just smashing into their bellies, just wow. hitting them as hard as I can, what? trying to harden up the old stomach muscles, be able to take a punch, you know? I don't remember Dad ever talking about that. Then I'd make them go outside, and I'd give them these metal buckets, and I'd say, Hey, you piece of crap, fill this metal bucket up with, with stones. And I'd come back, and I'd take all these little rocks, and I'd pelt them over and over oh. again. And then I'd smash them in the face with a metal bucket. Gotta get them in a survival mode, you know. Gotta get ready to fight. Well, uh, wow, that's uh, uh, stoning. I think in in some countries. It, I mean, with with this rigorous training, uh, now I'm I'm just curious. Now, did any of those guys contend for any championships or titles or? Uh, I'm not sure. They wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't let me read the the papers when I was doing 20 years in prison for human trafficking and 
dehumanizing slaveristic assault. Wow. Uh, yeah, I could. I could. Apparently, you can't do that. Apparently, you're not supposed to to rub that much boilap all over somebody. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that you had uh, done time. Uh, but anyway, let's get back to uh, the questions that I had. Ah, uh, your questions. Get the hell out of here with that. I had this one fight. It's the best I ever saw. Patrick the Potato Peeler O'Malley. Wow. I had the heart. Boy, he had the heart. If I could take his heart and put it in a, put it in a, another body, oh, he would have been a champion, I tell you. Certainly a very cliche I name. I trained Patrick the same way my, my pops trained me. I made him. I strapped an ox cart to him. I made him run up a hill. 20 miles it was. Wow. Got on top of this hill. 20 miles each way. And as soon as he'd get up there, I'd take his shoes off, too. He'd have to do it barefoot. And as soon as he'd get down at the bottom, I'd make him chug a quart of whiskey. Whoa. Gotta get his internal organs ready to for, for a real battle, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, the barefoot stuff is something that we uh, we like uh, to talk about on the show. But like, how did uh, pa- Patrick, the potato... Peeler O'Malley, how, how did, uh, sure, certainly he won at least maybe a regional title or something. Oh, no, he died. He died. Oh. You know, he collapsed and died after after I, I made him drink a quart of whiskey. That's, Apparently, that's not, uh, not real healthy for people. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's tragic, uh, Shaky. Well, I, uh, okay. You know, it's so, real tragic, Mark. It's me. What's that? Yeah. I could have been the greatest champion the world ever saw. Yeah. Well, I don't but know But I that. just, I, I had, I had all the heart. But I didn't have uh, I didn't have to reach. I'm just a short little fella. But I tell you what, I could dish it out with the best of them. But you know what I could do? I could take it. I could take it like a champ. You know, a real oh. beating. I remember one night I was uh, I was fighting fighting in a, a basement. That's how we used to fight back in the days in basements. And I was fighting Patrick the Potato Peeler O'Malley. Wait, I th- I thought you said he died from the court. no 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 no. It's a completely separate uh patrick o'malley oh. there was like uh like 75 or 100 patrick o'malley's uh, yeah. that i fought in back the in the day he kind of ran out of nicknames wow. they all had something to do with potato peeling and potato mashing so well, you got you know you had some some redos i guess certainly this very cliche uh, <laughs> yes. it was a different guy though and back in those yeah. days oh we didn't have no decisions and referees and none of that you just fought and fought until you just gave out and that was the end of it. It was a different and time I was back then. Patrick, yes. and we were in a 45th round, and he was just pounding me, boy. I was just black and blue all over. I had bruises on the bottoms of my heels. He was beating me so bad, and he said, "Oh, I'm gonna knock you in the next week, there, Shaky." And you know what? He what did. Oh. He knocked me in the next week. He actually physically hurt me so bad that I transversed the space-time continuum and flew forward into time two weeks. I couldn't remember nothing. That's amazing. Scientists have been breaking my body down trying to determine the key to time travel. Apparently, it's just getting hit real hard in the basement of some old Irishman. And with bruises on the bottoms of your heels, that's amazing that he was able to punch you in the heels. Um, he beat me all over, Mark. In between the webbins, in between my fingers was bruised. Wow. My earlobes were bruised. Every part of me was bruised. But I don't want you to do that anymore. That was back in the old days. That was, uh, oh, let me think. God, that was back in Art 8. Whoa, Art 8. Let's see. Uh, Art 8. 100 and, uh, 106 years ago. I, mean, I didn't know you were, you no, were no, that no, old. No, 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 no. 2008. Oh. It was, I'm only 39 years old. Oh, well. It wasn't that long ago. Re- it's been hard. It's been a hard Hot 30, uh, 39 years. That's, uh, that's amazing. I, I would have thought you were in your 70s 20 years ago. That's, uh, 
That's incredible. Ah, you're aging and your birthdays. What a bunch of malarkey. Yeah. Well, Shaky, I hate to I hate to do this. We didn't get to any of my questions, and we're actually we're, we're running up on time. I actually have another uh, interview that I've, I've ah, got to do. But yeah, uh, interview. What a bunch of malarkey. Well, I, I tell you what, Mark, you ever decide you want to stop prancing around like a little girl in your dress and your 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 bonnet? peeing in your underwear all the time and you want to be a real man you come back over to the gym and i'll i'll hit you with that pipe a few times i'll i'll, uh, I'll certainly keep I'll do, that I'll in mind pipe work that's what we call it these days pipe work great uh yes shaky i, I really appreciate it it's uh oh, it's, it's been good. i think i just pooped in my pants a little bit i gotta go okay, okay. all right uh there goes that was shaky fitzpatrick uh he's a character uh hopefully we can have shaky uh back on and uh and, and maybe at least get to my my questions all right, thank you, Shaky. Hopefully, we can get him back on the show sometime in the future. It is now time Sounds for the. Like he's dangerously close to dying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, hope, we. Hopefully, uh, he exists in the future. Yeah, maybe he won't be around for another week or two. Uh, despite his his young age, uh, he has lived a lifetime, a hard life. Maybe he just. just- Maybe he just isn't funny, and we'll have to kill him off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he may die depending just, on the feedback we get. It's far more likely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, let us know what you thought about Shaky uh, at uh, Simply Human Bob. No, if you have bad, yeah. bad thoughts about it, and you and you email us and say that it sucks, then I'm just gonna jump off a bridge. <laughs> yeah. No, that's why I said email us at simplyhumanbob at gmail dot penis. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's like the clown clown penis dot fart. Okay. Um, it is now time for the Simply Human Tip of the Week, something you can start doing today to become a more healthy human. And we've talked about this in the past, and it was, but we thought the theme came up in our Dean Laurie conversation about sort of getting out of your comfort zone. And that kind of falls into that same category as taking cold showers, as, uh, you know, not always, you know, doing the, the sort of this comfortable thing and that our bodies are designed for variation. And that book by Nassim Tlaib, Anti-Fragile, really hits on this point that if you just stayed at, you know, a room that's 75 degrees, that is the same light all the time, you don't get any variation in light and temperature and anything like that, you will not become the healthiest version of yourself. In fact, you may become very sick um, because your body just won't... Your, your body is designed for variation in temperature, in, uh, in light, in, in your comfort, in stress and recovery and all this sort of stuff. So if you just have like this super sort of mundane life, that is not... You know, you can survive that way, but that is not a way to become the healthiest version of yourself. So things that you can do to get out of your comfort zone, you know, if there's... Uh, you know, like like simple things is like taking cold showers. Like that is that is temperature variation. That is just something that you know every every day that you turn on. Like I get in the shower and I just turn the cold on. There, there's all there's never that. It's never just like I get in and turn the the water on. It's always kind of like that. You know, you sort of have to like, all right, I can do this. You know, and and doing that and like beating that sort of that voice in your head that's saying, you know, it would be a lot easier to just take a normal shower this morning. Like doing that actually like helps you and makes you a stronger, better person. Well, and I, you talk about like the physical, the physical stuff, like the, the temperature change, the light change, stuff like that. Uh, for me, it's really more about like just taking risks in general. Uh, it's always more comfortable to like, just especially for, for me to like, I have my little niche and I'm bur- burrowed out and I live in my little hole and you know, I don't like to get out of my hole necessarily, but sometimes taking risks is, uh, 
provides like a significant, significant reward. Uh, a few years ago, I experienced this. I was working in a you know police department in another, another state, and I enjoyed it a lot. But then this opportunity in the state and the city that I work at now that came up, and I had to evaluate. You know, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of change. It's a lot of uh, risk taking. Uh, would it be better? And you know, I can tell you right now that I'm looking back, going, yeah, it was definitely the right decision to make. Uh, as it relates to our conversation with Dean, I think we already talked about this a little bit earlier, but I'm fascinated by people who can do things like that. A girl that I went to high school with that I was, was very close with in junior high, and uh, we you know, obviously we drifted apart. Uh, she went her separate way, and so did I. But uh, she is a professional comedian, uh, and she's really, really, really funny. Her name is Erin Judge. Uh, she's on Twitter, at Erin Judge, and uh, she's, you know, just Google her. She's really, really funny. But uh, I'm fast, and I just found her on Facebook a couple of years ago, and I was like, man, catching up. And I started, you know, kind of looking at her some of her stuff, and it just, it's absolutely fascinating to me, someone who is funny, and uh, her next how she makes money is by continuing to be funny. And if she ever stops being funny, she's not going to make any money anymore. And just that daunting, uh, just thinking about that scares the crap out of me. Like I've had people say, you know, yeah, you can, you should try stand up comedy. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't, I'm not that funny, but it's the risk that scares me. And maybe we should not let the risk scare us, uh, you know, quite as often. Maybe we should think more about like, you know, taking, you know, kind of jumping out there and doing something new or doing something adventurous because it could end up being like the best thing that ever happened, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So our, yeah, our brains, our bodies are designed for variation and, and sort of getting out of that comfort zone is something big. I know, like I read a book once, uh, oh, oh, what's it called? Like the domino. You read a book one time. Yeah. yeah. The I domino project or something. I know Ben Greenfield talks about it a lot, but there's like these group of this like series of books, the short books. Uh, the sort of talk about this, and one of the things you know, other than cold shower, one of the things you can do to like, kind of fight through that sort of feeling of oh wait wait I shouldn't do this is like to take a coffee cup and just take it over like a cement floor, like a tile floor, and just let go. And it's gonna it's gonna break, okay. it's gonna shatter everywhere. But like you're gonna have to clean it up. But like just like going through that exercise of having to like let go. And it's like fight against that impulse is like, you know, another exercise. I'm not saying, uh, you know, like kids are listening to this and they're just like going like shattering all the coffee cups. Yeah, this and, seems like rather counterproductive. Yeah. Like we're going to get a bunch of pictures on Facebook like, yeah, thanks a lot. I broke all of my coffee mugs yeah. because Mark told me to smash them on the ground. And then, and then uh, he tells me to walk around barefoot. So uh, I slashed yeah. the underside <laughs> yeah, of my feet. Yeah, barefoot yeah. stuff. <laughs> slapped with a class action lawsuit. Yeah. All right, so that's tip of the week. Uh, get out of your comfort zone uh, somehow, in some way, physical, mental, yeah. whatever. So there it is. All right, well, I think that's the show. Uh, Dean Laurie, Shaker Fitzpatrick, we thank Hopefully you. it is. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for your, your time and your show, and thank you for all the people that yeah, wrote us reviews for the October T-shirt giveaway-a-thon. We're doing a November T-shirt giveaway-a-thon. All you have to do is leave a review, and you enter your name. Uh, into the thing and so you know and if you're not a loyal listener then we get to save the t-shirt because if you don't listen to the show that your name is announced then ah very valid point yeah then very we then you'll never know how you know that that we uh we picked your name so all right that's gonna do it uh leave us uh, a review on itunes like i said good or bad any publicity is good publicity and you may get a t-shirt out of the deal uh find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com links to the facebook page youtube channel simply the kids page the mom's page all that stuff uh twitter and instagram at simplyhuman52 um I think that's everything that's going to do it for this edition of the Simply Human Podcast. 
and remember. Certainly he won at least maybe a regional title or something. Oh, no, he died. He died. Oh. No, he collapsed and died after, after I, I made him drink a quart of whiskey. So until next time, enjoy yourself. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.